Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lilonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lilonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we're still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what, we are, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because one for all, all for one. Once kwa One for all. Moti kwa All for one. Once kwa This past week. Mumsabata yango bidai. Two days. Kwamasiku awiri. At the Bingo International Conference Center. Bingo International Conference Center. There was an event called the National Dialogue on Corruption. Unali zokambirana zatikolonse zokutana ninkani azipupu. I'm sure you understand that corruption is a big evil. Nipondi kuklupio tunonse mukumvete takuti zipupu. And that it is one of the things. It is one of the things that is holding us back as a nation. Nipogutin dikimozi much. And so there has been talk that uh, the um, uh, Anti-Corruption Bureau is not doing enough. And that we're not moving forward in this battle. And when you hear the discussion, there's almost finger pointing. These ones are not doing enough. Those ones should be doing this. And those ones should be doing that. But the truth of the matter is this. Unless everybody gets on board on this fight, there, won't be, there will not be any lasting change. If it is just left to one grouping, just left to the anti-corruption bureau, just left to the police, and all of us don't get aboard, aboard there will be no change. Because you see, anything that changes really has a grassroots support. It has the 
It has the support of the many. Because just one can't bring about the change. And it seems our passage today also has that fact in mind. That in as much as Christ has done his part, it's going to take the rest of us to do our part so that the kingdom of God can become a reality in the earth so that Jesus Christ can come back again. And so it's not just one. It's about all. It's about yes, one who died so that all can live for him. And we can say that the teaching in this passage is that Christ has died for us because Christ has died for us we should live for him. Because Christ has died for us, we should live for him. Tell your neighbor, because Christ has died for you, you should live for him. Tell the other one now. Because Christ has died for us, or for you, you should live for him. This passage tells us some several ways about how we should live for him in the light that he has died for us. Because Christ has died for us, number one, we should be hopeful. We should be hopeful. Hopeful that Christ will resurrect us and that he has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that he will resurrect us. Watch verse number one. So we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now watch, when he says tent, or the tent that is our earthly home, he means our bodies. Remember again when Paul is writing this, it's in the context of his being persecuted and he and he being at the point of being killed or destroyed. And so in a sense he's explaining how he keeps on going. How he keeps on with his ministry. Because there are people at the church in Corinth that were opposing his ministry. People, or one of those people, when he had gone to visit the church, had actually personally attacked Paul. And Paul had a plan that he was going to go to Corinth, from there proceed to Macedonia, on the way back come back to Corinth, 
and so that he can spend a lot more time with him. But when he went and God attacked, and God attacked, he did not return back to the church at Corinth. But he wrote a letter to them to tell them that they should deal with the person that attacked him. And that letter had gone with Titus. He had delivered that letter. And so when he writes 2 Corinthians, he's writing another letter to follow up on what had happened and to also establish his ministry before them. Because there were still people there who were saying that his ministry is a ministry in weakness. Probably they were saying, if, if you actually believe in God, if the power of the Holy Spirit is with you, why do you go through all this trouble? Because if the power of God is with you, you shouldn't come at a point where you have luck, where you're being persecuted by worldly powers. You should be a powerful man of God. You should be a powerful man of God. And so in his writing, he's defending his apostolic ministry. And so in chapter number 5, it's a continuation of that defense of his apostolic ministry. And so that's why he's saying, that the tent that is our earthly home, meaning his body, that even if it is destroyed, even if he is killed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. He said, even if you kill me, I have another body that is waiting for me, that is a resurrected body, that is an eternal body. This earthly body is only for now. But the eternal body or the resurrected body is an eternal one. Watch. He's getting encouraged by the fact that though he may be killed, uh -uh, there is a resurrection body that is waiting for him. Watch verse number two. He says, for in this tent we groan longing to put on our heavenly dwelling if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked so watch what he's saying if you kill us one day we'll be resurrected right now we are groaning Right now, there is something inside that says we want that resurrection. See, the resurrected body is the eternal life. And, and may I say this? You see, Christianity believes 
that the body will be resurrected. It's not a spiritual resurrection. Your body will be resurrected if you believe in Jesus Christ. So Christianity is not anti the physical. You know there are some Christians who think of the physical as evil, who think the body is evil, and that they will do everything to put down the, the body. So they will not enjoy life because they will think to enjoy life is to pamper the body and therefore they are sinning. If the body is sinful, how did the Son of God come in a body? If physical things are evil, why has God created a beautiful universe? And so our expectation is that life will get better than this. And that's why Paul is groaning because he realizes there is a better existence than this. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor. If you don't say amen, the pastor is going to take two hours here. Amen. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Amen, church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Take a shorter time right now. But watch this, though. He is saying, I'm sorry, verse number, number two there again, that we are groaning because we are, lo we are, we are longing for that tent. And, and watch this, this is really interesting. When he uses the word tent, it's the same word that was used in the Old Testament about the tent of meeting or the tabernacle of meeting in the desert. Where God dwelt because the Ark of the Covenant dwelt there. And he is likening that to the body of a believer. Now, remember again, the temple of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, everybody that is a believer is a tent of the Holy Spirit. And so when he uses this word tent for Christian bodies, he, he is meaning that this body is a dwelling place of the Spirit. And so there's the groaning. And he, he's saying that, okay, we are, we are uh, in verse number four, for while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. 
so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. So he's saying we're groaning for our resurrection bodies and that yes, even as we take off this body, this fleshly body, we may not be found naked. Now for the Jews as for us, nakedness is a shameful thing, isn't it? For the Greeks, it wasn't so. In fact, the Greeks would, would compete in athletics or exercise or would exercise naked. It wasn't a big deal for them. But for Jews, it was something that is a shameful thing. And so he's saying in a sense that at the time that we put on the eternal bodies, at the time that we get resurrected, that we would would not be naked. In other words, would not be shameful or ashamed. In other words, that we would live our lives now in such a way that when we meet God, we are not going to be ashamed. So he's groaning for that resurrection body. And he says, the groaning also, he said, the groaning also is that he would want immortality to come upon him that it will come upon him and even its power and in a sense they're saying no no it's not just a resurrection body not that right now we would be unclothed but that the power of the resurrection would also come upon us watch verse number 4 at the end but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Hallelujah. Amen. So he's groaning for this immortality. And watch what this is all about in verse number 6 there. Verse number 5. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. In other words, it is God that has made this arrangement. The one who has prepared this is God himself who has given us the spirit as a guarantee. Watch this now. The spirit has been given as a guarantee. A guarantee is like a down payment. So you want to buy something at game, but you don't have all the money for it, and they do lay by now, and so you decide, it's 40,000 kwacha, but I have 20,000 kwacha right now, so I go and make a down payment. Is that thing yours? Yes. They will even give you a receipt for it. That you have paid half of the money. Watch what Paul is saying. That the Holy Spirit is the guarantee that we have been bought by Jesus. Tell your neighbor, you've forgotten about the amens. Right? The Holy Spirit 
is the guarantee for the receipts for our resurrection. Watch what Paul is saying. He's saying, even though we go through trouble, even though we are almost killed, even though we may be killed, it really doesn't matter. Because when you kill us, we will be resurrected. Because when you kill us, we know the Holy Spirit is the deposit that we have. That shows us that we shall have eternal life. Hallelujah. Christian, listen. Don't be scared of this world. Don't be scared of witnessing. Don't be scared of telling people about Jesus. Don't be scared of doing what God has called you to do. Because there is a hope for you. You shall resurrect. The Holy Spirit inside you is the one that is the guarantee that though you die, He will resurrect you again. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Christians never die, they just multiply. Hallelujah. They never die. In fact, somebody said that the blood of the matters, the blood of those that are killed for the faith, is the seed of the church. Every time where Christians are persecuted, where Christians are killed, oh, I tell you, that becomes the seed. Because they speak of the reality of the kingdom that is to come. And people actually start seeing this thing is real. It's something worth dying for. And they see the hope of the resurrection. Friend, to be a Christian is to have hope in the resurrection. If you don't have hope in the resurrection, you must ask yourself, am I truly a Christian? Because if there is no resurrection, like Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, well, let's get drunk and die. Let's party. Let's turn this into a disco or something. Because there is no resurrection of the dead. But we are hopeful. Because there is a resurrection of the dead. Watch secondly. How we ought to live. Because Christ has died for us. We should live purposefully. We should be purposeful knowing that we exist to please him. Watch verse number six. So we're always of good courage. Excuse me, Paul. You mean all this suffering, you are of good courage? Having no money of good courage? Your marriage not working out, you're still of good courage? Your business going down the drain and you are still of good courage? I don't know if you're catching Paul. I don't know if you're catching this. Watch verse number 6 again. Down on verse number six. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. 
So while we're away, while we're away, while we're at home in the body, I'm sorry, we are away from the Lord. So when we are living, we are at home in the body. When we have died, we are with the Lord. Two states, right? You are living, you are at home in the body. You're dead, you are with the Lord. And he says, we know that while we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now watch this. He's saying, as we live this life, away from the Lord, being in this body, we walk by faith. Because we don't see Jesus. Anybody see Jesus? I had a dream. I had a vision. Yes, it was a vision. But you have not seen Jesus. Hallelujah. You have not seen Jesus. Only when he comes, like he's standing here, and Jesus comes, then you have seen Jesus. But the fact that we have not seen him does not make us to say he's not there. Or he's not here. Because we walk by faith. We do not walk by sight. So watch this. To live the Christian life, you must walk by faith. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're going to walk by sight, walk by what everybody else is doing, do like everybody else is doing, you are going to miss God. You know, sometimes you hear that there's some confusion going on in town. The police are there and, you know, they're chasing out the vendors or something. And then sometimes you find yourself, say, on the path or on the road going to town. And then you hear all these people saying, oh, no, it's not okay in town. And everybody starts going back home. They are reversing their cars. Just because you heard. And then when you get into town, it's peaceful. Ever, has that ever happened to you? So you come at a point where you say, no, I should check it out for myself. Everybody else went back home because they were watching everybody else. Do you know that's where many of us are at? My friend is getting married. Oh, my friend got married yesterday. I should get married. Oh, my friend has a girlfriend. Oh, my neighbor has a big screen TV, flat screen. Mm -hmm. I should get that too. And then when you don't get that, you start feeling like God is not with you. How can God bless him and not bless you? How do you know it wasn't even God's blessing? It was a cash get blessing? You want to cash get too? No, we walk by faith. 
We don't walk by sight. We hear from God. And we do the things that he wants us to do. And so watch what he says next. Verse number 8. Yes, we are of good courage. And would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It's like, Paul, please don't get too excited here. You just said, so we are always of good courage, verse number six. Verse number eight, yes, we're of good courage. You must really be taken up by this, Paul. Eh? This resurrection stuff really excites you. Eh? What is the alternative to the resurrection? That you die and that's the end of you? That's not an alternative. And so for Paul, he realizes that the resurrection is the answer. And so he says, would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So watch this now. For Paul, to be with the Lord, which is to die, he's saying it's preferable than to live. So here's why you're scared about dying. You have no hope of the resurrection. You are not convinced that on the other side things are better than on this side. Hallelujah. Amen. Because Paul is saying, I'd rather be with the Lord. I'd rather die than being in this body. And he has written that also to the Philippians. He's in jail, probably facing death. And he says, you know, I'm not too sure which one I should choose. Whether to die and be with the Lord, or whether to live on, and be an encouragement to you. Here is a person that is convinced that there is things that are better on the other side than this side. Friend, if your Christianity is only about this world, you have believed falsely. Let me say it again. If your Christianity is only about this world and the good things of this world and does not look forward to the resurrection, then you have believed falsely. Because Christianity gives you a confidence and, and a security that and that even when we die we shall be resurrected and that is better on the other side than here you know at funerals we should actually be feeling sorry for ourselves those of us that are still alive 
Because that person that has died, if that person has died truly in Christ, they are in a better place. Probably they are crying for us. Will you be able to stand? The way you love money. Will you be able to stand that you still end up coming here to be with us? Because the reality is it's so much better there. In fact, if we saw the reality, probably we would say, look, just rupture me right now. But watch what Paul says. That even though heaven is his preference, verse, verse number nine says, So whether we're at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Here's what it says. It's not about whether I should be here in the body alive or whether I should die and be with Christ. He says the priority is that I should please him. So whether I'm in the body or whether I'm with the Lord, the thing is to please him. Please understand my friend. The priority of the Christian life is to please Jesus. The priority of the Christian life. Tell your neighbor. Your priority. Your number one thing is to please Jesus. Who are you living for? Do you know who you are living for, you can tell. Your priorities will tell you. The things that are important to you will tell you. And, and here's the best indicator, your money. Follow the money, they say. Follow how the money is spent. Because what you value, you spend money on. Oh, you can shout your hallelujahs. And you, you, you can speak in tongues. And you can do all those things. But it's all noise. If it doesn't go together with your money. Somebody said, worship without giving is noise. See, your money says, or your money shows what's worthy to you. You go back to the office and choose that Wednesday they don't have your money. Uh, many of us won't count it all joy. It's not going to be like that. We're going to say, I want my money. Because you know your whole month, you are working on this money. Your money is valuable, isn't it? So what you do with it will show what you value. And do you know the heart is deceitful? We actually deceive ourselves. Amen. Amen. Oh, he loves me. I am he promised me this and he promised me that. Oh, he told me he's going to take me to America. 
And then you hear, Oh, you are number three. You are number three. And the reason that he chose you is because you are 25. And he is 50 something. And then you are just a trophy wife. He is just looking for some sweet young thing. Yes, a sweet young thing. <laughs> <laughs> He's just looking for something that is young. To reaffirm himself that, you know, he's not getting old. And there you are thinking, oh, he loves me. And everybody can see it except for you. I mean, have you seen fools like those? Everybody sees, everybody sees, except for the fool. The heart has deceived the fool. And that's what happens with us. Oh, we get deceived. For you, for somebody can be a sugar daddy. For somebody may just be money. All sorts of things that deceive us. Our call is to please our God. Why should we please our God? Watch. Verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each one may receive what is due. For what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Why must we please the Lord? Because everyone, everyone will be will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. In other words, Jesus is going to judge. Now, I don't know if you know, but judges don't throw bribes and parties. They don't call you there and say, listen, we're having a bribe for you. And then we'll pass judgment. Ah, it's very serious business. And the judge, this judge, this Jesus judge, is going to ask everybody, to give an account of what they did in the body. In other words, what were your works? What did you do with the life I gave you? What did you do with the opportunities that I gave you? Everyone, everyone will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I'm not a believer. Who created you? No, I'm not a Christian. Who created you? God created you. And we know Jesus is the word of God. Without whom nothing was created that is created. So he will call you forth that you should give an account of your life. Now some people say that this judgment seat of Christ this is only for believers. It's only for believers. And that there is another white throne judgment. In, in uh, Revelation chapter number 20. Where those that are evil and that was that are good are gonna come before God. And, and books will be opened. Or should we say DVDs will be watched? 
Because I think the technology there is so much better than here. I mean, when John was writing like 2,000 years ago, the best he could think of was book. tablets now, right? So whatever technology is going to be there, the things will be viewed, people's lives will be viewed. And so others would say that white throne judgment is for everyone. But this judgment here is only for believers. You know it doesn't really matter. He will ask you of an account. Whether he asks you for the account and the judgment seat of Christ, or whether the white throne judgment, it will still be an account. What have you done with your life? What did you do with the opportunities I gave you? What did you do? How did you live your life? Friend, one day is coming when all of us will give an account before God. I personally believe that this judgment seat of Christ is the same as the white throne judgment. And that every one of us will be asked for an account for what he or she has done. Are you living your life purposefully? What is the purpose of your life? You should get the biggest car. You should marry the most handsome man. You should have the biggest uh, company in Malawi. With 198 investments in different countries. Or investments in 198 countries. What is your purpose? What is your purpose? Five years from now, what is your purpose? What is five? Where is it that you will be five years from now? Ten years from now, where will you be? Twenty years from now, what is the plan? What is plan in No plan means no purpose. Fifty years from now, what is your plan? And don't tell me it's to die. That's not a plan. That's not the kind of plan we're talking about here. What will people say about you when you die? Oh, not the nonsense things as fast as we say at the funeral. I mean, judging by some pastors, everybody was good. On the but here's a question for you. Is there a purpose to your life? Do you know God has a calling for you? He has, he has given you gifts and talents. And he has wired you a different way. So that you can achieve things in the earth for his kingdom. And he expects you. That your purpose in life. Will be aligned with his mission in the earth. And that for you to live for Christ, it means that you should be purposeful. We should be hopeful. Number two, we should be purposeful. Number three, we should be faithful. 
Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now I want you to watch this. He keeps on saying, knowing. No. We know that. Knowing. In other words, he's saying, these are things that we have in our minds. These are facts that are established in our minds. And so as a person thinks, so is that person. As a man thinketh, so is he. In other words, you and I are the sum total of our thoughts. In other words, our lives reflect our thoughts. You want to know how somebody thinks? Watch what they do. And so there's a stress here. Verse number one says we know that. Verse number six, we know that. Verse number 11, knowing the fear of the Lord. These are foundations on which this life is built on. So he says knowing the fear of the Lord. We persuade others. Watch it. Don't just play around with the nice side of God. The loving side of God. There is also the fearful side of God. Without negative charge and positive charge, there is no electricity. If you just have positive charge, no electricity. Just negative, negative charge, no electricity. You need both the negative and the positive. And isn't that true in our lives in terms of serving God? That we need to remember He is a fearful God. That He is a scary God. That if He showed Himself, up in all his glory we, 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 we will die even when Moses said show me your glory a great darkness and a great sleep came upon him God is fearful may we start to fear God again May we start to fear God again. So Paul is saying, because of the fear of God, we persuade others. He's a scary God. Watch out. Watch out. And so he says, but what we, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We're not commending ourselves to you again. But giving you cause to boast about us. So that you may be able to answer those. Who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So Paul is saying, listen, are we trying to impress you? 
Because what we are is known by God. And we also hope is known in your conscience. Remember again there are people in Corinth who don't think that Paul is really a, a, a good apostle or even an apostle at all. And so this is the part where he's defending himself. No, no, he says, the reason we're saying these things is so that you may be able to answer those that are attacking us that are more about the outside about the outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. Watch this. Watch this. Christianity is not about the outside. It's not about the things that are happening outside. Christianity is about the inside. In other words, if you just go by the outside, you are going to be misled. And you know it's happening today in the church. We're in our church hoping from one church to another church. What we're looking is the outside. Oh, what happens there? Do miracles happen there? Do people get rich there? Do these things happen there? And so we base things just on the outside. Not what is in the heart. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to judge us, don't judge us on the outside. Judge us on the inside what is in the heart. And that's why Paul is pouring out his heart to them. So that they can understand his motivations. And Paul says in verse number 10 there, verse number 13, I'm sorry. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right man, mind, it is for you. So he says, if you think we are crazy, like these other people are saying, it's okay, it is for God. If you think we are okay, it is for you. And so he says his motivation, right? Verse number, Verse number 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. So watch the motive for Paul. The love of God. The love of God. Or the love of Christ. So the thing that moves him. Is not the love of fame. It's not the love for money. Uh, it is the love of Christ. And he says that this love, it controls him. 
And he has come to this conclusion that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Watch what he's saying. He says he's risen is that Christ has died for all. And because Christ has died for all, therefore all have died. What you're talking about, Paul. If you put your, cry, your, your trust in Jesus, you have died with him. Remember God's big plan. Remember God's big plan. Big plan, big. John 3.16. Let's all say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only God and Son. So whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So I said it exactly, we were saying it in standard 3. Like it's 11.30 a.m. And you're hungry and you want to go home. And so you're drugging it. So that you, you show the teacher you're hungry. You don't want to do that. But it's a memory verse, isn't it? Probably everybody here knows that verse. Right? So God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever believes in him. Should not perish. Should not be destroyed. But should have eternal life. Now watch this. He died. So that whoever believes in him. May have eternal life. So Paul is saying. That one died. Because that one died. All have died. In other words. If you believe in Jesus. You died with him on the cross. But watch the other part. He says. And he died for all. That all who live might no longer live for themselves. All that live may no longer live for themselves. Now say this after me. So that I who lives may no longer live for myself. Now, what does the Bless Me Club Christianity say? It says, I live for me. It says, it has saved me so I can be rich and healthy. And it's all about me. Ah, watch this again. He died so that we may live for him and no longer for ourselves. Ask your neighbor, what are you living for? Or who are you living for? The pastor, I came here so I can get my blessing. 
I came here so I can get a job. I came here so I can get a spouse. I came here for a breakthrough. So what are you talking about? Listen, that breakthrough, that spouse, that promotion, ultimately is not really about you. He will give you. But so that you can be a servant in his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And all these things. All these spouses. It's not spouses, one spouse. Okay, well, well, we're talking to a lot of people. All these spouses will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these promotions will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these contracts will be added unto you. Amen. So that now you come at a point of realizing it's not about me. See, the issue is not whether you get a promotion or not. The issue is not whether you get money or not. Ah, listen, God can give you the money just like that now. But the issue is who are you living for? Did he save you so you can live for yourself? Is he promoting you so you can buy 10 more shoes? As if the ten shoes are not enough for you. Hey, I'm talking to somebody here. May you go and throw out some of those shoes. Shoes, shoes you haven't worn in six months. Shoes. Dresses you haven't worn in six months. Tell your neighbor, go give them away. How many brown shoes do you need? Hey, ask him, who are you living for? <laughs> who are you living for? <laughs> he died that we may live for him. I mean, look, some of these things that we have in our houses, people, some people right here need them. Right in here, there are people that need them. And you say, I love Jesus. How can you say you love God? And yet you hate your brother. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Next Sunday, Sunday it's Acts 4:34 Sunday. And our tradition. Which unfortunately we had lost. God forgive us in Jesus. Is that we say when you are buying your groceries this month. And you are buying the things that you need in your house. Please buy some other things. That we can share with needy people here. Buy some sugar, extra sugar. Buy some extra salt. Buy some extra offer. Buy extra things. So that we can share with others. Because we realize it's not just about us. We are not living for ourselves only. We are also living for others. That said, 
It does not mean that you just bring your sorry self here and say, oh, there's Acts 4.34, I don't have to be working. That too is living for yourself. Isn't it? That's living for yourself too. So other people will be providing for me. And so church is about my provision. No. No, no, no. All of us, in whatever capacity that we have, we are told to live for others. One died for all so that all may not live for themselves but for him who died and was raised again again ask your neighbor who are you living for are you faithful to him Churchless. we can't say we start church at 8 o'clock and you show up at quarter past 9 that's not faithful. And you show up at past nine. Or we start at 10.30. And 11.45. That's when you are bringing your anointing. It can't be like that. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness means we take the things of God as valuable. It just starts with your attitude towards these things. And it will spread to the other things. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to be faithful. I'll be here on time next Sunday. Tell him Jesus heard that. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, finally. We should be reconciliatory. Because Christ has died for us, we should be reconciliatory. In other words, what Christ has done in us is that He has given us and He has reconciled us to Himself in Christ. And also has given us a ministry of reconciliation to others. Watch, watch verse number 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a lot of talk nowadays of mindset change. Oh, Malawi needs a mindset change. Oh, Malawi needs a mindset change. Guess what? Paul says there's a mindset change that has gone on in his heart. He says from now onwards, we don't regard anybody according to the flesh. 
We don't gauge anybody according, according to a, a worldly appraisal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, he says that even though once we regarded we regarded Christ in that way. Remember Paul before he became a Christian? He went around killing Christians, isn't it? And he didn't think Christ is the Messiah. But then a revelation comes to him. In fact, a mindset change happens. And so that he does not see Christ in that way anymore. And comes to the conclusion that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Tell your neighbor. That's a simple verse to memorize. Tell them this week you should memorize that verse. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In other words, Paul is saying, I no longer deal with you Oh, I no longer deal with people according to how they outwardly look. Isn't that where the deception in Africa is? That we regard each other according to the regions that we come from in Malawi. And that we regard each other according to the tribes that we say we're a part of. We regard each other according to the countries that we say we come from. Listen, in Jesus Christ, we are all a new creation. There is no Chewa here. There is no Tumbuka here. Not as your badge of identity. Uh, as the thing that you say this is what identifies me uh-huh. what identifies you is what Christ has done in you and then those other things are secondary church listen 2019 we are having elections in Malawi and pretty soon we will start hearing issues that have to do with tribes Nepotism will show up again. Remember, before we used to have three regions in Malawi North, South, Central. Now we have four. Eastern now. The very same country, very same people. For for 30 something years we had three regions. Now we have four. Who is to say we may not have six? And you know what that is about? Those are regional political blocks. That's what they are. So, the eastern region, UDS. Southern region, DPP or PP, somewhere there. Central region, MCP. Northern region, Afford is being revived again, by the way. Oh, yes. There's a, a new committee set up to revive Afford, isn't it? Yes. 
2019 is around the corner. Wake up. That's why that is happening. And that is really our problem here. The problem in Africa is that. And the problem is also the church. Because the church hasn't woken up to realize. If a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. All things have become new. And so you find churches where you have people from one region. Churches where you have people from one area. Some churches, you know, if you go to such such a church, you must have a lake shore connection. You must, you must have lived along the lake shore. Others, you must be from Shewu or something. Amen. <laughs> But there is no place for that in Christ. I mean, wherever God sends us, we touch everybody that is there. Because we regard no man according to the flesh. And if you think that, oh, you know, you know what, I'm really Tumbuka. That's the important thing about me. Oh, I'm really Chewa. That's the important thing about me. I'm really Yao. That's the important thing about me. You have no place in Kairos. In fact, you should leave. You should leave. Because if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. And then the other thing we do. Everybody from the DRC, from Congo, I mean from Rwanda, Rwanda from, Burundi. from Burundi. You know what we say? Ma Burundi. Ma Burundi. Do you know there's no such thing in the church? We don't have Maburundis here. We don't have our Malawi here. We don't have our Chewa here. We have brothers and sisters. Church, listen. If we can really live this, and if we can show the world that we love each other, and we care for each other, the world will come to us. And we ask, how do you do it? How do you do it? And we'll show them our Christ. And Jesus himself said, that they shall know that you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. Not by the money you have. Not by the breakthroughs that you have. Ah, but by the love that you have one for another. Friend, listen. Listen, listen. We have been called to be the new creation. Can you, can you stop thinking all the nonsense they told you? What they told you about Achewa and Atumbuka and Ayao. What they told you about Maburundi. What they told you about Vichewa. And Vichawa. Whatever they told you. May you forget that. Be a new person in Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor the old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. Tell your neighbor, Pastor is finishing up. Now. So say, Pastor, I mean. Verse 18. All this is from God. What is from God? 
This new creation is from God. All this is from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now watch what God has done. He has reconciled us sinners to himself. And he hasn't stopped there. He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. Tell your neighbor you're a minister. You're a minister. You have a ministry. Now don't get excited here. And start Dixon Banda Ministries. <laughs> but we are all. Oh, hey, Dixon Minister Banda Ministries International. Hallelujah. Amen, brother. Can you feel the anointing? Amen. Watch, 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 watch. And he says, verse number 19, this is in Christ. Oh, that is in Christ. Verse 19, that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And then trusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he says in Christ, God is reconciling the world to himself. John 3.16, very clear. But I think the next part is John 3.17. John 3.17. What does it say? Just condemnation. <laughs> okay, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son to condemn the world. But that the world through him may be saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. In other words, God. God has a message of reconciliation. And not of condemnation. You condemn yourself. When you refuse to accept him. But the message he has entrusted to us. Is not to condemn. Uh, the psalmist says. As far as the east is from the west. As far as the north is from the south. That's how far God has separated us from our sins. And he remembers them no more. Some people are still scared of their neighbors. They can say amen. So watch what's happened to us. Amen. Watch what's happening to us. We have this ministry that has been given to us. He has entrusted to us a, a message of the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Watch. You are His Excellency or Her Excellency. <laughs> you know what they call ambassadors, how they address it. His Excellency. His Excellency. His Excellency. His Excellency. Guess who you are. Amen. Amen. His Excellency. His Excellency. I mean, I want you to watch this. Amen. Because you see, if you're truly in Christ, 
You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. An ambassador has authority to speak on behalf of the country he's coming from. In other words, when you say things that are consistent with your government policy, your government will back you up. Okay, let me put it this way. If you say things that are consistent with this word, God will back you up. See, it's not just a few people who can cast out demons. It's not just a few people who can heal the sick. No. It's not just a few people who can speak a word from God. We are all ambassadors. When you walk into that office tomorrow, please remember His Excellency. His Excellency has come in. May you walk when you walk into that classroom. Please remember His Excellency has come into this classroom. When you get into that business place, remember His Excellency has come. But what has His Excellency come to do? Ask your neighbor. What has His Excellency come to do? Well, because we love His Excellency part. So I got the His Excellency swag. That wasn't His Excellency, that was more like gangster, lean, right? Okay, but. But watch. You are His Excellency for a reason. Watch what it says. God is making His appeal through you. God is making an appeal through us. So through you, God is making an appeal. He's making an appeal to a sinful world. An appeal to a world that needs to be reconciled back to him. So, you being an ambassador is about God speaking through you to tell the sinners out there, God loves you. I mean, what kind of ambassador just enjoys the privileges of being an ambassador but never does the job of ambassador? That's why you hear they've been recalled back from the diplomatic service. Why? Because Malawi isn't profiting from having that office there. Oh, God can, can close your office. I'm telling you, you're laughing. He can call that office. He can say, look, we're wasting money. We're wasting resources. So come back home. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, he can invite you back home. Because you can't go to hell. He chose you already. You're a believer already. He bought you with his blood. You, you can't go to hell. But because of the mess that you're doing, recall the ambassador. Recall the ambassador. May he not recall you. Tell your neighbor. May he not recall you. May you do your job. Tell your neighbor, may you do your job. May he not recall you. Because he can recall you. Remember the fear of the Lord? So we persuade men. Our job is to tell this world 
to tell the sinners out there God loves you but look at the chicken ambassadors that we have they're so scared I don't know how I'm going to start to, to tell her maybe I should strike up some, some conversation don't worry ambassador you are hi do you know Jesus as your Lord and your servant? If they don't want to accept it, they'll say, please, shut up, don't tell me anything. Your job is to stand or to say what the Lord has said. At times you may not have the right word to say. Better than to have no tact but not to do it but not not to do it Amen? Amen better to say something that declares the word of God rather than just to sit there pray and act like you you know what I mean Amen. you can fill in the blank we are ambassadors Here's the last part that he says. Um, verse number 20 now, 21. Verse Tell your neighbor this another memory verse for you. Because that other one was, I mean, that other one you memorized already, isn't it? I mean, you sat there, you memorized already. For if a man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Right? The old has passed away. All things have become new. So here's another one. Verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin. Who is this one? Jesus. God. The second person of the Trinity. He made him to be seen. Does that mean Jesus sinned? No, no. But on him came the effects of sin. The soul that sins must die. The wages of sin is death. And so he brought death upon him so that he could buy us. So he could give us life. For our sake, he made him to be seen who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Tell your neighbor, you are the righteousness. Oh, 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 oh. No, because you are in him. He made him who knew no sin become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, when God looks at the believer, he's looking at his righteousness. Because the believer has put his trust in Jesus. And by doing that, he takes on the righteousness of Jesus. And and then when he sees the believer he sees a righteous person if you are born again please don't, don't think of yourself as a sinner 
If you're born again, you are not a sinner. If you're born again, you are not a sinner. If you're born again, you are not a sinner. You have the righteousness of God. Stop trying to be righteous. Just start acting it. Just start acting it. Look, there is a seed in your life. The seed of the Holy Spirit inside you. If you let that seed flourish, if you give time to God, Give time to God in prayer, in reading the word of God, in gathering with the saints, in taking time just to be with God. Your light will shine brightly and you'll start seeing yourself thinking different thoughts and doing different things. Look, it's not something that you're trying to pray for. You already have. That's usually the big problem with us. We think it's something that we should always should be working at and working at and working at. You already have it. Just give enough space to him. And you are you are it already and you walk in it. You are the righteousness of God if you're born again. Stop thinking of yourself as a sinner. That is good sometimes. Think of yourself as a saint. That struggles sometimes. You know there's a difference there. If I think I'm a sinner. And sometimes I'm good, I go to church. Sometimes I'm good, I give somebody money. It's a whole different world from thinking that I'm a saint. I'm a child of God. And I should walk responsibly because I am a child of God. Sometimes I stumble and I fall. And I do stuff that's not right to do. But you know, in, in, in my heart of hearts, this is the path I want to take. It's not that path. It makes a whole lot of difference. May I ask you from today that you start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God. You are righteous before God. Not of works of righteousness that you have done. But, but the righteousness that God has given to you in Christ. And he has given a seed inside you that will make you to be that powerful Christian that God has told you to be. There is power in you. You have the authority of God. It says I have given authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and nothing shall harm you. Says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain be removed into the sea and it's going to move. That's the power that is in you. Start seeing yourself as the righteousness of God. Start seeing yourself as an ambassador of God who has been sent into this world to bring about the purposes of God. One died for all. 
Mozi adafera onse. So that all should live for one. Tuonseo akakalemwa ye. All of us must take part. If we do not take part, that which we say we live for, the kingdom of God won't move forward. It will be like this anti-corruption war Malawi is where we're just expecting one, two, three people to do their part. But we as, as corrupt as anybody, we are meant to get on that fight. Everyone here, you are supposed to be on that fight against corruption. Everybody who saved here is supposed to be on the mission of God, doing what God has called us to do. It will take all of us to do what God has called us to do. And like I said in the morning service, please stop whining and complaining about the land. Please stop. Right now, you start reaching out to people. Because our priority is not the piece of land in the earth, is it? And when we reach out to those people, I tell you, we'll see God open doors for us. Because that is the priority. That's why he died. That's what our living for him means. Bringing people into his kingdom. Tell your neighbor this week witness to somebody and bring them to church. Don't get another born again Christian. Amen. Amen. Witness to somebody and bring them here. Because friends, that's what this is about. Everybody should do their part. Tell your name. I. That I doesn't sound for Muslim. Okay. I will do my part. And I will witness to somebody this week. And I will bring them to church. And Jesus has heard me. Amen. Hallelujah. You want to pray? Let's not Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.